Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. You can actually just use the handout if you want. I printed it right there. And I'll be looking at various scriptures uh, throughout this sermon. Normally we preach through books of the Bible. We're in the midst of Matthew chapter 18. We'll pick up there, Lord willing, next week. But we have a special topical sermon today on baptism. And so we're going to be thinking about Christian baptism uh, from God's Word today. This, this passage that we'll start with is, is the mission of our church. This is the mission of Alney Baptist Church. Matthew 28, 18-20, it's known to many as the Great Commission. Jesus' last words to us in the Gospel of Matthew. People's last words are important. And so we get to hear uh, Jesus' last words in Matthew 28, 18-20 to begin uh, our, our sermon today. Uh, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, we thank you that we can study baptism. We thank you that we get to have a baptism today. We thank you, Lord, uh, that you have called us to this. And we thank you for all the rich imagery that baptism points us to and reminds us of. Father, we pray that you would help us to remember our baptism today, that we would have a deeper understanding of what it means that we are baptized believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that we would improve our baptism in the sense that we would live out uh, our identity in Christ and, 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 and be who we are in Christ because you have marked us as yours. And so God, use this time to make us more humble, more loving, more Christ-like, more faithful. Lord, to, to work in us to that end that we can say, uh, yea, all I need I find in you, Lord Jesus. And so be with us, God, work in us by your Spirit, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Baptism can be a deadly affair. One Christianity Today article in 2017 states, after a Syrian Muslim man converted to Christianity, he asked to be baptized by a church in Tulsa. The pastor agreed, and the man was baptized in front of the congregation. The man, whose identity remains anonymous for security purposes, said the church promised to keep his baptism quiet since Sharia law demands, this is the law of Islam, which is supposedly the religion of peace, uh, which could not be further from the truth. <clears throat> uh, Sharia law demands that converts from Islam be executed. He flew to Syria almost immediately after his baptism in order to marry his fiancée. A few weeks later, while still in Syria, he was kidnapped by Islamist extremists, including his uncle and his cousin, kidnapped by his own family. I mean, Muslim extremists, they're just Muslims, his own family, <laughs> who said they learned about his conversion from the church's website, he said. The church had included the man's baptism in its weekly bulletin announcements, then posted those announcements online. 
It was the first thing that popped up under his name in an internet search. For three days, his family tortured him, telling him that they were going to kill him for his conversion. They tied his arms behind him, beat him, keeping him for hours under a 55-gallon electrified drum that shocked him whenever he touched it, he said. The article went on to say that he eventually did get free and came back to the U.S. Morning Star News in 2022 reported a young woman preparing to be baptized in Erbil, Iraq, last week was instead killed in a possible honor killing for converting to Christianity, with Muslim family members reportedly suspected, according to local media. The body of Iman Sami Maghidid, 20 years old, was found on March 7th, bound with tape and uh, discarded among the vacant sandy fields surrounding Erbil Air National Airport in northern Iraq's uh, Kurdistan region, according to local media reports. She had been stabbed multiple times, Asia News reported. Police suspected her family was connected to the killing, according to local media. Arabic language media reported that Magdad's father is a prominent local mosque leader called an imam. Her uncle was taken into custody in connection with the slaying, but it was unclear if he was charged or merely questioned. Reports were conflicting about the possible arrest of another relative. A few weeks before she was killed, she had announced her conversion to Christianity on one of her social media accounts, according to the Middle East Concern, a religious freedom advocacy group. So we, we come to baptism today in joy and celebration. But for many in the world, being baptized could mean your physical death. And separation from your family uh, for the rest of your earthly life. But the joy of baptism, even for those who are baptized and killed in this life, is it means that you will forever be with Christ and forever be with your family who know Christ. And that's why it's a celebration either way. That's why this is a celebration either way. In our church's statement of faith, we read of baptism, we believe that Christian baptism is the immersion in water of a believer into the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost to show forth in a solemn and beautiful emblem our faith in the crucified, buried, and risen Savior with its effect in our death to sin and resurrection to a new life that it is prerequisite to the privileges of a church relation and to the Lord's Supper. Ba baptism is an outward symbol or picture of an inward reality. So something has happened. Something has happened on the inside by the power of the Holy Spirit such that, that the person being baptized has repented of their sins, has been born again, has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and now uh, we're going to show... Uh, that, that inward reality by this outward sign. When I was talking to Felicity, I described it as, as a wedding ring. When, when, when people get married, they put on a wedding ring as a sign of their marriage, but that's not the marriage. It's a sign of the marriage. It points to the marriage. Uh, 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 <clears throat> and, and that's what baptism is. It's a, as an outward sign of, of, of an inward reality. And, and we're going to think about this briefly today. What, what are the, the purposes of Christian baptism? 
What are the purposes of Christian baptism? And you can follow along in, in your outline. Uh, some of these uh, points are longer than others. Some of them are really short. Some of them are longer. Uh, <clears throat> and so if you want to follow along, you can use your outline there. N- number one, baptism reminds us that Jesus was baptized for us. This is the most important one. This is the most important one. Uh, baptism reminds us that Jesus was baptized for us. Jesus was baptized in his life and he was baptized in his death. So first, Jesus was baptized for us in his life. Remember Jesus' baptism in Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In one sense, this baptism was unnecessary because John's baptism was a baptism for repentance from sin and Jesus had no sin. Hebrews 4.15, in every respect, he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, the Bible says. Jesus was sinless. Jesus never needed to repent of sin because he had no sin. All he did was holy. All he did was win. All he did was righteous. But Jesus' baptism was also necessary, he told John, to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus came to do the will of his Father and to do it perfectly. It was God's will that John baptized Jesus. They both had to fulfill all righteousness. And in his baptism, I mean, think about this, beloved. This is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and he starts it by identifying himself with sinners. He begins his public ministry by identifying himself with sinners whom he would come to save. Just think about the picture. John is baptizing sinners in the Jordan River. And so sinner after sinner after sinner after sinner comes and is baptized. And baptism is a picture of washing away those sins. And so those sins are being washed away. And and then you have this sin-infested water. They have all these people who've been cleansed and washed and the, the water's full of sin symbolically being washed away. And what does Jesus do? He comes down and gets in the sin water. Identifying Himself. His very first act in His public ministry is identifying with sinners and getting in that nasty, sinful, dreadful water. Al Martin says it was as if Jesus died and was buried for 18 years. Right? We didn't know anything about Him. We, we heard some when he was born and, and as a child, but then we didn't hear anything about him. It's as if he was died and buried for 18 years. And then when he comes back on the scene, he is with sinners. He is in the water with sinners. And he's baptized by a sinner. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save sinners. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, do you realize that you are a sinner who needs saving? Do you realize that you have broken God's laws? You have broken God's commandments. You you, you have rebelled against God by the way that you have lived in thought and word and deed by what you have done and by what you have left undone. The Bible gives sin lists. 
all over the place. And you might ask, why do you always mention certain sins? Because I'm going to follow the Bible and the Bible lists certain sins in these sin lists. Like sexual morality. That's always number one on the list. Read Galatians. Read Ephesians. Read Corinthians. Sexual morality is always on the list. We've broken God's commandments by sexual morality, by lust, by fornication, sex outside of marriage, pornography, cheating on our spouse, having wicked thoughts. Men who practice homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom of God, the Bible says. Greedy. Greedy for money. People who are greedy for money. We don't think about that one very often. People don't like to talk about that. Oh, pastor step on some toes when he starts talking about greed and money. Are you greedy? How do you know? Jesus had no place to lay His head. Reviling. Wicked words are mentioned in these lists. Drunkenness is mentioned in these lists. Using drugs in an, an illicit and sinful way. Using alcohol in a sinful way. Haters of God. Disobedient to parents. In the same list that lists homosexuality in Romans 1 is listed disobedient to parents' children. It's rebellion against God. We deserve hell. I told my grandmother to shut up one time. My mom tanned my hide. My mom didn't play. If I did something wrong, I got a whipping. And I'm thankful for that. It drives the hell out of me. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that. Read the Proverbs. But I deserve hell for telling my grandmother to shut up. I deserve hell for that forever. We've sinned against God. But praise God, He loves sinners. Praise God He didn't send me to hell for telling my grandmother to shut up. Praise God that I can have forgiveness for that. They stoned children in the Old Testament for rebellion. Praise God we're in the New Covenant. <laughs> Praise God that God loves sinners. Praise God that He sent Jesus into the world who loved sinners, who came identifying with sinners, who lived a perfect life and, and ate with tax collectors and sinners, who, who, who healed lepers, who raised the dead, who made the blind to see, who gave His life and took that hell, that curse, that judgment that we deserve upon Himself and died and was buried and on the third day rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. I'm so thankful Anthony doesn't let that get old to me. Like, oh yeah, I know that. No! Gets excited about it every time. He rose from the dead. He's alive. He conquered sin, death, and hell that we might not go there. If you repent, if you turn from your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never turned from your sins and believed in Jesus I'm inviting you to do that today. Do that today. Turn from your sins and believe on Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And when you do that, He will change your life. Many people, right, say they believe in Jesus, but they keep living the same old way. Angry with people, hating people, living in, in, in sin. He'll change your life. He'll give you a love for Him, a love for His Word, a love for His people. He'll change you. You'll want to grow. You'll always want to be more like Him. You'll never be satisfied with where you are, but you want to grow in Christ. He'll change you. His Spirit will dwell in you. You'll be changed. You'll be born again. That's what baptism is a picture of. 
When, when Felicity goes down in the water, she's dead. She's dead. She's, her old self is dead and she comes back up a new person. Totally new. Washed clean. Baptism pictures this. And we, we can have this because Jesus came to save us from our sins. His baptism in His life. Let me continue. His baptism in His life. And, and friend, if you, you've not trusted Christ, come and find me afterwards. Come and find another Christian afterwards. We want to talk to you. We want to pray with you. We want you to be saved today. We want you to believe on Jesus today and be saved. Because you do not know if God will require your soul of you tonight. You don't know that. Jesus is coming back. You're going to die. Are you ready? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be ready. You shall be saved. And so Jesus came to be baptized in his life for us. Jesus' baptism inaugurated his public ministry as the Messiah. Jesus' baptism was his formal and public anointing with the Holy Spirit in his, for his public ministry. Jesus, when he was baptized, I love this. The heavens were ripped open. Isaiah 64, 1. Oh, that you would come and rend the heavens and come down. He did. God did. There is a history of the parting of the waters at the Jordan River. One of my pastor friends made fun of me when I first came to this church because he thought that mural was sort of weird, the Jordan River there. Everybody who gets baptized at Only Baptist gets baptized in the Jordan River. Um, but there's a history of, of the parting of the waters at the Jordan River. At the Jordan River, the waters were parted when Joshua led Israel into the Promised Land on dry ground. Do you remember that? The waters were parted. And, and the waters were parted uh, uh, when Elijah and Elisha crossed on dry ground right before Elijah was taken up into heaven. But when Jesus was baptized, the waters weren't parted. The heavens were parted. The heavens were parted. As Dr. Wayne Stiles taught me, the waters didn't part when Jesus was baptized, but the heavens parted. That's my King. That's my King Jesus. And the Spirit anointed Jesus as prophet, priest, and king at His baptism. And then we see the Father delights in His Son at His baptism. We see the Trinity at work in Jesus' baptism. The Father speaking, the Son being baptized, and the Spirit coming down like a dove. And so Jesus was baptized for us in His life, and Jesus was baptized for us in His death. Beloved, do you remember that Jesus referred to His death as a baptism? Luke 12, 50. Luke 12, verse 50. Jesus said, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Beloved, all over the Bible, we see water judgments. We see water judgments. Timothy Brindle has a hip-hop song. Check it out. Timothy Brindle, uh, Water Judgment. and You can listen to it. Uh, but, but you have Noah and the flood, right? God destroyed the whole earth with water. And all the people in it except eight people. The majority is not always right. Eight people. God saved eight people. Everybody else He killed. Just because you're in the majority don't mean you're right. Go with God. Go with God. If God's on your side, the world can be against you. But God destroyed the whole world with water in, in the flood. Israel in the Red Sea. Remember, God destroyed all the armies of Egypt in the Red Sea judgment. Jonah, right, got thrown into the waters because of his rebellion. And on the cross, Jesus was baptized with the wrath and curse and judgment of God. As Hosea 5.10 says, I will pour out my wrath 
like water. I will pour out my wrath like water. Now, my, <clears throat> my pedo-baptist friends, they'll say things like, like this. It's always the enemies of God who get immersed. And they think that's an argument for their side. I see that as an argument for my side. Yes, the enemies of God always get immersed. And I was counted as an enemy of God, just like Jesus was counted as an enemy of God. And the enemies of God are immersed under the wrath of God, so there's no more wrath to pay. Yeah, that's what happens in baptism. When uh, Felicity, when you go down under the water, you, you're dying with Christ. You died when He died. You, you suffer the wrath of God then, so there's no more wrath to pay because Jesus paid it all. Yes, God's enemies get baptized, and I am counted as God's enemies. I'm baptized and take God's wrath symbolically because Jesus took it for me. I don't have to pay. I don't have to take God's wrath because Jesus took it for me. That's what baptism points to. And so, yes, the enemies of God get immersed. And Jesus was counted as an enemy. And He was immersed in the wrath of God so that I never, never have to pay anything. Jesus paid it all. Amen. Baptism reminds us of our salvation from the lake of fire. Lake, water, lake, fire. The lake of fire. Baptism reminds us of our salvation from the lake of fire because Jesus was baptized by God's lake of fire for us on the cross. That's point number one. Point number two, baptism is done to be obedient to Jesus Christ. This is going to be really short. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus commands us to baptize. And so we do it. And we do it in the name, singular, name, singular, of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You have the Trinity right there. Name, singular, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons. You read, read in the book of Acts, they'll say they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And you have these Jesus-only people who say, no, you shouldn't baptize in the name of Trinity. You should baptize in the name of Jesus because Acts says baptize in the name of Jesus. What does it mean to be baptized in the name of Jesus? In the authority of Jesus. To be baptized in the name of Jesus means to be baptized in the authority of Jesus. And what did Jesus say do? Ah, oh, Matthew 28. Go and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Trinitarian baptism. We do it because Jesus commands it. Point number three. Baptism displays our union with Christ. Our union with Christ. I'm going to call on John Piper to help explain this. Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In Christ, in connection with Christ, God sees us before we existed in such a way that our election hangs on our being connected somehow with Jesus before we even exist. Ephesians 1.6 states that we have received grace in the Beloved in Christ. The only way that grace flows to a sinner is somehow in our connection with, union with, relationship with Christ. Ephesians 1.7 says that we have redemption in Christ. God's purchase of us from bondage to sin and Satan and death becomes real and effective for us in connection with Christ. Without this relationship, this connection, you could say union with Christ, we're dead. There's no redemption without union with Christ. Ephesians 1.13 declares that in Christ we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's one interesting... Uh, that one's interesting because now you have the Holy Spirit who is the active agent and He does this in Christ. The connection with Christ is what makes it possible for the Spirit to secure us forever. Philippians 3.9 says that the righteousness we need to stand before God, we have in connection with Christ. 
and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. Same thing in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We only stand righteous and uncondemned before God because of our connection with Christ. Because we're in Christ. Paul helps explain why this is in 1 Corinthians 1.30. You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In other words, in connection with Christ, we have righteousness that is not ours, but His. He became our righteousness. He became our wisdom. He became our redemption and sanctification. And it all happened in Him. And so Piper concludes, I would define union with Christ like this. It is the reality of all the ways that the Bible pictures our human connectedness to Christ in which He is indispensable for every good that we enjoy. No saving good. No eternal good. No God-exalting good. No soul-satisfying good comes to us except as we are connected to Jesus Christ. And baptism points us to that union. Baptism points us to that glorious union that we have in Jesus through which everything and every spiritual blessing, every good thing we get is in Christ. Baptism points to that. Number four, baptism displays our death to sin. And, and four and five are sort of outworkings of this union with Christ. Baptism displays our death to sin. Look at Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? I love what Lloyd-Jones says about this question. You have not properly preached the gospel unless people ask this question. In other words, the gospel is so amazing, so glorious. It doesn't matter how bad you are this morning, how bad you've been, how bad you're going to be. If you believe in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. All of them. Past, present, future. All forgiven. Everything's forgiven. No condemnation. That's amazing news that you have by simply believing in Christ. And, and, and that's what, how Paul ends Romans 5, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. You can't out-sin God. Any sinners here this morning, anybody struggling with sin, anybody think that you can out-sin God? You can't. You can't out-sin Him. The more you sin as a believer, the more He's going to forgive you. The more you sin, the more lavish His grace. The grace just grows and grows and grows. You can't out-sin God. He shows more mercy. That's amazing news. That's amazing news. And it leads people to ask the question. Whew, wow. Let me ask the question of Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? I should just go out and sin all the more and make God's grace abound all the more. No, 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 no. No. How does Paul answer the question? The gospel ought to move you to ask that question. But how does Paul answer the question? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? In other words, if you really get the gospel, you're not going to want to go out and sin. You're going to hate your sin. You're going to fight your sin. You're going you're to weep over your sin. You're going to want to turn from sin because God changes you. How can you live in it any longer? You've died to it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death. This is why we as Baptists baptize by immersion. 
because it's the be- because bad t- baptizo, the word for baptism in the New Testament, it means immerse. That's one reason. Uh, secondly, it's the best picture of death. Not that you're going into a tomb because they were not buried in the ground in Jesus' day, right? They were put in a tomb. But because when you go underwater, what happens? You die. You die. You drown. And when you come up, you live. Immersion is the best picture of this death. And you're baptized into Christ Jesus. And therefore, you're baptized into His death. When He died, you died. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, you were. <laughs> yes, you were. You were there. I've heard Reformed people mock that song. No, you weren't there. Yes, you were in union with Jesus. When He died, you died. When He rose, you rose. So that you'll never die again. And you died. The old self died. The, 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 the self that loved sin and, and, and enjoyed sin died. And, and, and therefore, there's no condemnation for you because you suffered there in Christ. I love how one theologian applies this to our fight against sin. And he's, he's making a specific application to the sin of murdering your own child by abortion. That might shock some of you. Yes, abortion is murdering a baby in the womb. But this applies to any sin. So name your sin of choice. Listen to what this says about your sin as a Christian. And what the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us is that there are probably women in this congregation right now who have had abortions. Probably many of you. And you are probably hiding in the secret and in the shame of that abortion, fearing that anyone will ever find out about that secret that you have. What the gospel of Jesus Christ says is that you are not an enemy of any culture war. If you come out of hiding and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scripture says that you are so hidden in Christ that when Satan accuses you and says, I know who you are and I know what you did. I know your secret. Your response is to say to Satan, Satan, uh, you are exactly right. You are right when you say that I am deserving of condemnation, but I've already been condemned. You are exactly right when you say that I am worthy of execution, but I have already been executed because I'm in Christ. So every bit of penalty that belongs to me has already fallen on me. I've been crucified. I've been pulled off that cross. I've been buried under the curse of God. And you know what? God now has announced what He thinks of me when He opened up that hole in the ground and Jesus Christ, my head, my new life, my new identity walked out of there. So when God looks at me, He says of me exactly what He says of Jesus Christ. This is my beloved child and in you I am well pleased. This is what baptism points to. Your baptism points to the fact that you died with Christ. You took the punishment. You don't have to bear it anymore. Jesus bore it for you. Baptism. Baptism displays our death to sin and, and, and the fact that we walk in newness of life. Number five, baptism displays our glorious new everlasting life in Christ. Keep reading Romans 6 verses 4 through 8. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in his death, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. And so not only death, going under, underwater kills, death, coming up, breathe, I can breathe, life, life, new life. I get new life in Christ. I have new desires, new hopes, new dreams, new, new, new desires to live for Christ, to obey His Word. As, as Ted always talks about his old life when he was having fun and drugging and drinking and what, a, what is it you call him, a 40? Uh, he, you know, he, he'd drink all this stuff and, and he was having fun in the world, but then he got saved and God became fun to him. God became his joy. God became his, his delight. And, and so God changed you. This is that new life in baptism displays that new life we have to walk with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number six, baptism displays our confession of faith in Christ. Baptism displays our confession of faith in Christ. Look at 1 Peter 3.21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, and that this is referring to the previous verse about Noah and his family being saved by water. They were saved by water, right? Everybody else was destroyed, but they were saved by water. And, 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 and 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Baptism saves you. Baptism saves you. The Bible says that. Not as a removal of dirt from the body. So not, not as if just going underwater saves your soul, like taking a bath but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when you come for baptism, uh, the, the Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And baptism is a calling upon the name of the Lord. So Felicity, when you come up here and you're in the water, this is a crying out to God. Lord, I'm dirty. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I need to die. Lord, I need to be raised. Lord, I need my sins washed away. It's an appeal to God. Baptism is an appeal, a pleading, a calling out to God to be saved. That you do by faith. That you do by faith. John MacArthur says the word for appeal has the idea of a pledge agreeing to certain conditions of a covenant, the new covenant with God. What saves a person plagued by sin and a guilty conscience is not some external right, but the agreement with God to get into the ark of safety, the Lord Jesus Christ, by faith in His death and resurrection. Tom Schreiner writes, Baptism saves you because it represents inward faith as evidenced by one's appeal to God for forgiveness of one's sins. Furthermore, baptism saves only insofar as it is grounded in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And John Piper says, baptism is a symbolic expression of the heart's appeal to God. Baptism is a calling on God. It is a way of saying to God with our whole body, I trust you to take me into Christ like Noah was taken into the ark and to make Jesus the substitute for my sins and to bring me through these waters of death and judgment into new and everlasting life through the resurrection of Jesus my Lord. This is what God is calling you to do. 
You do not save yourself. God saves you through the work of Christ. But you receive that salvation through calling on the name of the Lord by trusting in Him. And it is God's will all over the world in every culture, no matter how simple or how sophisticated, that this appeal to God be expressed in baptism. Lord, I'm entering the ark of Christ. Save me as I pass through the waters of death. The Bible teaches that baptism is to be done uh, uh, to those who profess faith in Christ. Again, this is why we don't baptize little babies, but we baptize those who understand the faith and profess faith in Christ. Galatians 3, 25-27 But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That happens through faith. Colossians 2, 11-12 In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. The circumcision made without hands is regeneration, being born again, having a changed heart by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That's the death of Jesus. Messiah shall be cut off, Daniel says. He shall be cut off from the land of the living, Isaiah 53 says. The circumcision of Christ is the cutting off of Christ on the cross. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith. Buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. This happens through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Number seven, baptism displays our cleansing from sin. What do we use water for? Well, one of the things we use water for is to take a bath and to wash the dirt off. And I can't wait to get in there because I'm hot. <clears throat> that comment made no sense and had nothing to do with the sermon. I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. I can't wait to get in there. But water washes away. It cleanses. And one of the things baptism displays is our cleansing from sin. Ananias said to Paul in Acts 22.16, Why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now we're going to sing a hymn the final hymn, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that's absolutely correct. But these waters of baptism are a symbol of that. A symbol of that cleansing. A symbol of that washing. And so Felicity, when you go down in the water and come up, it's a symbol of God washing away your sins. What He did in reality through the blood of Jesus, this symbolizes you being clean. Clean and washed. I love 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. I, I love it for Pride Month. It's Pride Month, right? I see it everywhere, stuck in my face. This wicked, godless rebellion against God. Beloved, these verses are wonderful for Pride Month. God hates pride, by the way. Did you know that? God hates pride. He will destroy every, all pride. And He especially hates pride in wickedness and evil. Beloved, God's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. And he always wins and he wins big. And Jesus is coming back with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth. And he's going to destroy those who have pride. I would encourage you to pray that God kill your pride. Kill it, Lord. Kill my pride. The only boast I have is Jesus. The only boast I have is the cross. 
These verses are wonderful for Pride Month. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Right? That, that's the, that's the, the law. Right? That, that's the punch. All these people that live that way, they're going to go to hell. But verse 11, right? We want to be gospel people. We, we, we want to hold out hope to people. That they can be cleansed. They can be changed. They can be forgiven of these sins. And so verse 11, keep verse 11 in there. And such were some of you. You Corinthians, you were homosexuals. You were adulterers. You were, 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 were. Past tense, right? You were these things. You were drunkards. You were revilers. You, you, you did all these things. But you were washed. Ah, you were washed. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Baptism points to that washing that happens through the blood of Jesus. We can be washed from all those sins through the blood of Jesus. Baptism displays that cleansing from sin. Number eight, baptism displays the Holy Spirit being poured out on us. Baptism displays the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, causing us to be born again, causing us to be changed and being poured out on us. This is what Brother Bob read in the call to worship from Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. You know, we have the picture of cleansing here as well that we just spoke about. I will cleanse you from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is what Jesus meant in John three when he said you must be born again. This is why Jesus said, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know this. You, you, you haven't read. Have you not read Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27? They, they should have gotten this. You must be born of the spirit and of the water, which symbolizes the cleansing. Titus 3, 5 says he saved us not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Baptism displays the, the washing of, of being regenerated by the Spirit of God and changed and filled with the Spirit and the, the Spirit dwells in us and will uh, cause us to obey and give us power to obey what Jesus commands. Number nine, baptism reminds us of our adoption into God's loving family as His beloved children forever. Galatians 3, 25-27 again. Look at those verses. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. You're sons of God. You're sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism reminds us of our adoption. That we're sons of God. And, and again, ladies, you might think, well, how can I be a son if I'm a female? Well, sons in that time got the inheritance. And so just as, as God calls you sons of God, He calls us men a part of the bride of Christ. 
And so you get the inheritance. You're going to inherit this glorious inheritance that God is keeping for you, unstained and untarnished in heaven, indestructible because you're sons of God. Baptism reminds us that we are God's children, His beloved children. Ten, baptism reminds us that we belong to God. We belong to God. Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, which means you belong to God. Romans 6.22, in the context of that uh, discussion of baptism, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. Baptism points to the fact that God puts His mark or sign or stamp on us and owns us as His slave. Almost every letter Paul writes, he begins, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. A slave of Christ. A servant. The word's doulos, it's slave. A slave of Jesus. Baptism is a mark. I belong to God now. You belong to God now. And so we live that way. We live that way. And finally, number 11, baptism represents our formal entrance into the church, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. We're baptized into one body. That, that's, that's why we're, we're going to, uh, uh, Felicity is going to join the church. Baptism, joining the church. They go together. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Baptism is one's formal entrance into the church, the body of Christ. One author writes, Baptism preaches because it's God's work. Baptism isn't simply water, nor water poured, nor water over which a Trinitarian formula is intoned. Baptism is, is an act of the church using water in the name of the Trinity to bathe the person entering the church. Because Jesus commands baptism, it is an act of God. The hand that dunks or pours in the, is the hand of the minister, but the Spirit baptizes us into the one body. When the rite is done, the baptized person isn't just wet. He or she is baptized by God. At every baptism, God Himself preaches the good news of His Son. Every baptized person is a fresh announcement of God's promise, commissioned to proclaim the good news. And so, Felicity is baptized into the church and receives her commission as a soldier of the Lord, to go forth and proclaim Christ to a dying and needy world. Believer in Jesus, who has been baptized, I encourage you today, look to your baptism and remember all of these glorious truths about God and about you who are in Christ Jesus by faith alone. Christ Jesus commands His church to baptize all the nations, teaching them to obey all His perfect declarations. For He wants disciples from all the generations. 
Baptism pictures union in Him. We're all new creations. Going under water's death to sin, we fight against temptations. Above the water's life, raised by the Spirit's operations. By faith alone, we're just as taught in Paul's Galatians. Water points to cleansing from all sin and condemnations. His Spirit is poured out on God's holy congregations. We're adopted into God's loving family relations. Owned by Him, there's no other qualifications. Brought into Christ's body with her grace-filled obligations. For Jesus was baptized in God's wrathful demonstrations, then raised alive to save from hell and all other damnations. Baptism points to this, the Christian life's very foundations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This calls for greatest celebrations. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that you have sent your son to die and rise for us. We thank you that Jesus was baptized for us in his life and in his death. Lord, we thank you for giving us this command to baptize and all the rich biblical imagery of what baptism means to us, means for us, and reminds us of. Father, we pray that today we would remember our baptism and that we would embrace all that our baptism reminds us of and says about you and says about Christ and says about the Holy Spirit and says about us and our identity in Christ. Lord, help us improve our baptism. Help us live as who we are and who you declare us to be through our baptism. Father, we pray for those who have never come to faith in Christ. Lord, that you would use this sermon to give them a hunger and thirst to want to know Christ, to know him more. Lord, to be saved, to be born again, to, to trust in him by faith, that they might follow him in obedience to be baptized. And Father, we thank you that you have brought felicity to that point. Thank you so much, Lord, for putting her in a Christian home with a Christian mom and a Christian dad, Christian grandparents. Lord, for surrounding her with your teaching for so long, for them bringing her to church, for her hearing the gospel, Lord, for her finally coming to trust in Christ by faith alone. Thank you, Lord, for bringing her to this point. And we pray you would be at work in her life mightily as she takes this step of obedience to Christ. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.